0: All right, hello hello everyone. Tonight we are live with Marquez Go say, Wait, I'm sorry. Let me double check. Uh are you going Marcus or do you do you pull it out and say Marquez? It's Marcus. All right, all right. I want to make sure I didn't I didn't mess it up, man. I know you're about 6 6'10 six, or something. So, I want to make sure we don't make that guy mad. All right. <laughs> so, hey everybody. We got uh Marcus Ogden in here. Uh our uh our ex-football player uh but there's a lot more that he's doing right now as far as leadership and he's gonna actually help us to get a lot of that information today so before we get started let me start off with my cheesy intro
1: have you ever wondered why you struggle to find success or fulfillment or lasting happiness it's probably because your default wiring is set to lose The How to Win at Everything podcast looks at real people who have struggled with the same insecurities, fears, doubts, and expectations, and found a way to succeed. Why? Their brains are rewired for success. We dive into their thought patterns to show you how to rewire your own brain to win at everything.
0: All right. All right. Thank you so much, everyone, for being here. Uh, Mark, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon, well, this evening. Um, So I was uh, mentioning a little bit before, um, we can go down the line, man, and list accolades for you. Uh, The thing I guess most of us are going to be thrilled by is the fact that uh, you spent several years in the NFL. Now, as a guy who's about 5'7", I didn't think I had a chance, man, but... To, to know that, hey, there is a, uh, there's a some information out there from a the guy who operated that what's pretty much the highest level in anything, I think, thrills me and most of my guests. So I want to get started with uh, bringing you in on that level. Uh, tell us about your
1: football career. So I went to St. John's College High School, the same high school that Kevin Plank, who was the founder of Under Armour, went to in Washington, D.C., Northwest D.C., uh, great sports heritage, great education heritage. Catholic high school, uh, a very strong athletic league. Uh, you know, schools like Dematha, uh, Chase Young, who's with the with the Washington football team, and also uh, Dwayne Haskins are Dematha grads. And then I have you know Gonzaga to Good Counsel. So it was a really strong league. I remember there was seven or eight players from my senior class throughout the entire WCAC that uh, went to the NFL when it came time uh, as we all graduated from college to go into that next level. And from there, from St. John's, I went to Howard University in Washington, DC. My father went to Howard. He was a Howard bison. He's actually one of the first class of football players to get full scholarships to play football at Howard. He went there from 1969, 1972. Then I went there from 1990 to 2002, and then I got drafted from Howard University to the National Football League. Uh, I'm actually the first and only offensive lineman ever drafted from Howard. I hope that changes soon, but I I still have that to the record today. So, Again, as a guy that went to college just to play football, and if I was going to get a chance to start for a year, too, great, but I didn't really go to school for that. I went to school to actually like be an investment banker and work on Wall Street and get education and finance, which I have a degree. Well, that's where I studied at Howard. So really and truly, from there, the NFL just came calling as I was drafted uh, in the night, 2003 to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I was Jack Del Rio's uh, first draft class.
0: Oh wow, wow. Um, so. I like to kind of frame these things in a, in a way where we can really get to the meat of who you are because the idea behind how to win at everything is that everybody has a story, everybody has a certain work that they're made for and a certain work that they have to do to get to a level of expertise. So I, I want to jump right into uh, some of the stuff. Now, I, I read your book, and, and, and let me first just talk about my own bias a little bit. Um, I'm thinking... Uh, there's a book by a football player. So how much is he really going to relate to all the struggles of all of us guys who are out here uh, learning coaching and trying to be coaches and really trying to lead other people. So when I got into it though, man, I was so riveted by the whole story. I'm like, this man has gone through similar stuff to what we were all going through or have gone through and are going through to, to build up something. So I I really want to focus on, on, before you guys started in 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 coaching, before you guys started into a business, let, let's go a little bit into your backstory. I would like to call it your origin story. So, so you, you're playing football, right? And and we all see that as this grand thing. But you didn't start off. Uh, you're, you said you're going to school to be into finance and that sort of thing. What did your like coming out of school, going into the NFL? What did you imagine your trajectory would be like?
1: You know, when I left Howard to go to the National Football League, I really wasn't sure. Like, I got very fortunate. I had a really good agent, my brother's agent, Marvin Demoff, and I got to the Hula Bowl. Was at the Hula Bowl. I played really well against guys that were at Florida State, Texas. Uh, my head coach was Matt Brown, who's now the head coach at North Carolina Chapel Hill. He was at Texas at the time. And this really and truly, man, is being around all these kind of this phenomenal individuals and people. And so for me, there was no trajectory thought process. which is, hey, I'm going to go play football. I'm going to give it all I got. And it let the chips fall. Because I mean. again, I'm a guy who got only one scholarship offer when he left high school. And mm-hmm. I'm a guy that was the first and only lineman so far drafted from Howard University. So you don't want to go into something like, oh, I'm going to be this, this, and this. Like for me, it was just, let's get to there. You're here now. And let's work hard and because of that i had you know, almost a six-year career and it was absolutely uh, awesome so i mean i just you know I, I didn't really have a trajectory thought process because where i came from the background you know all that kind of stuff
0: gotcha gotcha okay okay so you get into you get into your career uh like you said you have five almost six-year career what happened that that stopped your career, or why did you stop playing ball?
1: I had a back injury, so I was playing uh with the Titans at the time, and I was really not in the best physical shape for my father who passed away uh, right, un- right. until totally suddenly, you know, unex- suddenly and unexpectedly at 57 years of age, so it was just really, really tough for me, and I tried to come back, and I was just, wasn't my heart and head wasn't there like it used to be, you know, my dad was my biggest supporter, so really and truly, I just lost that drive mm-hmm. I used to have and it just didn't you know and then when my back gave out and I saw my body wasn't rejuvenating like it used to and I said okay mm-hmm. it's time to make it This time to move on from this game because if you can't play at a high level mm-hmm. this game don't play it because you're going to get hurt I mean it's just yep. you're going to get hurt or and worse yet you could get somebody else hurt so that's yeah. why it's time to move on from this game when my back gave out and I just could not um, you know, I couldn't recover the same yeah. as I used to when I was, you know, before I had that really bad injury and also before right. I really taking care of my body in the same fashion.
0: So so I know in the book you talk about the fact that your dad passed and and that obviously is going to affect anybody. It's going to affect all of us. Um, but based on what you're saying in the book, it sounds like at that point that really did. I don't know, I guess. Cut off some of the motivation that you had, and that sort of thing. Can you can you, can you kind of go a little bit into uh,
1: how much that played a role until well, you're stopping? Well, yeah, I mean, it played a huge role because my father was one of my biggest, not one of, he was my biggest supporter throughout mm-hmm. everything. So when you lose that support system, when you lose that. Cheering section when you lose that individual who you know you had a bad practice, you can give a call, you had a bad game, yeah. you can give a call, you had a bad day, you can give him a call, you know, you made some mistakes off the field, you can give him a call, you know, all these different things that I had in him, and then no longer have that. It was like, yeah, not my reason for playing diet, but my reason for continuing to push through all the yeah, stuff having resilience. That you don't see at the nfl there's a lot to it that people don't see from the practices and the rehab to having to get yourself ready to practice and get yourself ready to travel ready to play Uh, the the lifestyle can be very uh i won't call it isolated it can be very just uh difficult at times it really can be you know because you're it's a very emotional stressful up and down job and you have to be cognitive throughout the whole process. But unfortunately, when we're human beings, like we all are, we don't sometimes know how to stop the emotional trauma, the emotional difficulty yeah. Yeah. from getting into our everyday lives. And yeah. that's why I feel like such a high divorce rate in athletes, well, I do about all athletes that can see from football and coaches. Yeah. Because it's just so much of a mental Toll. It's a lot you have to go through. Then if you're not winning, like take the yeah. Jets. I mean, you're zero I mean, twelve right now. I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: You imagine what kind of stress they're under.
1: You're Anthony Lynn, my old my old running back coach from the Jaguars. Is Anthony Lynn, and now you know he's probably going to get fired from San Diego. I mean, they lost forty five nothing embarrassingly to the to the Patriots on Sunday. So yeah. you know what I mean. So there's a lot of things that go into it. That this game can really mess with your psyche if you're not careful, yeah. and uh, I, I lost that individual who could ground me if I was having a bad day.
0: And, and I remember reading now, your dad is is the one who was supporting you and got you into this, uh, into that private school, right? He's he's putting the money away for this, even when it was a case where it, it was tough, it was slim pickings, but it was still him who was giving you that support. So, yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, so let's, let's move it forward though, because most of this, I want to, I want to, I want to keep most of this focused on what you're doing now, but I do want to set, set the plate for, uh, our audience to kind of understand where you came from. Now, after you leave the NFL, uh, you started a construction business, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm -hmm. All right. Now, how did that go? Did that work out for you right off the bat? How did it go? Was it a bad deal for you? How did that work?
1: so my construction company came from an enterprise's was something i started about maybe six months after i retired from the nfl after i got through feeling sorry for myself not transitioning well and i ended up starting the business and we were doing really really well in the beginning we were a small you know develop not developer we were a small contractor that did some real estate you know co- commercial projects we did some uh real estate uh, residential projects mm-hmm. and we did like you know, demolition work and concrete work. But unfortunately, when one of my mentors went out of business, there left a huge void for site work, which is what we got into, and we became the largest African-American subcontract in the city of Baltimore, state of Maryland, for two years in the area of site work. But the problem was we took on a, a line of business that we need to have a lot more funding for, we didn't have that. As a result of that lack of funding, huh. we ended up getting stretched from a couple projects, we made it work, but unfortunately in 2013, we hit a really bad snag where we hit a job where the job site went dry and it took us about 90 days in between two, between $2 to $3 million, anywhere in that number, oh. sometimes and a half but sometimes, it's over between two, $3 million that we spent to get the job site dry. And when the job site did finally get dry, uh, you know, right, right, Kelly? It's like they did not repay the change order that they said they were gonna pay. The results of that, we ended up having yeah. to file like chapter seven bankruptcy because I got overextended on the project. And yeah. of course, that was that. And so I ended up, so April, 2012, I tell you why I was a multi, I was a multimillionaire. And then April, 2013, uh, you know, bankrupt. Well, no, I wasn't. I, I didn't even file a bankruptcy. yet. I was so broke that I couldn't even file the bankruptcy oh. to its uh, to its full. I was trying to get myself restarted in that uh, in that process because I was just so broke that I could not even afford the bankruptcy.
0: OK, so so we, we've seen a little bit of a roller coaster here. You're up, you're down. You're up again, you're down. Let let, let let me let me backtrack what what gives you uh you know, so obviously there's a there's a physical aspect when it comes to football, right? You you know, you can't coach height, you can't coach speed, well, maybe, but you can't coach size and that sort of thing. What what made you resilient enough to say, I'm gonna go through all the tough parts, all the hard parts to become the first lineman, offensive lineman from Howard to get drafted to the NFL?
1: You know, really what happened was uh, we got a strength coach my last year who's still a good friend of mine to this day. And the strength coach really gave me what I needed in the mental confidence side to really push yeah. and work out and get myself in the best position to be drafted, potentially, if that was going to happen. So between him and then really working hard with my brother, and you know trainers and all the other people that helped me it gave me the best chance to get to that point but again my strength coach played a major role in that because you know he really was a big big part of me developing the work habits and the necessary Mm. strength and skill sets and speed and endurance that i needed to get to get to the next level
0: okay so so you had somebody in place who helped you out with that. What about you mentally? What, 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 what's your mindset at that point? What are you thinking? How are you thinking? Uh, even once the strength coach comes in, what are you thinking that gets you over that hump? that says it's much easier to party to do anything else, but you're doing the work.
1: Well, what got me over that point was when I asked my brother, okay, Jonathan, what do you think about my, off my chances? Cause he's, was, he was playing. He was a great tackle in the league at the time. And said Marcus, look, I'm just gonna tell you straight up. He said mm. you're on people's radar, so you gotta develop the mindset that mm. you can actually go for success, go for it all, give it one year of your life. Party, do it, but do it very, very reduced than compared to your freshman, sophomore, junior year. Sure, sure. You want to go out and have fun, do it less compared to freshman, sophomore, junior year. And you know, just understand that if you're going to make this a opportunity or a possibility, you're gonna have to give it all you've got and you have to have the mindset to do that. If you're not gonna have that mindset, do not even bother trying to go right. to health levels. Have fun your last year at Howard, ball out, have a good time, party, right. all that stuff. You'll dominate because you've already been a three year starter, but if you wanna be where I am, It's gotta change. And that was the mindset shift that I needed to get my brother giving me what I needed to give me at that at that point.
0: I like that. So so to start off, you got your dad who's who's a big supporter. You got your brother who's giving you flat out honest information, and you got your strength coach. Now, once you once you get into the NFL, you, you have a you have a career. Uh, last five, six years, which is typically still more than the average. After you leave the NFL, you said that for a while you're feeling sorry for yourself. What, what what was that about? What happened there?
1: Well, you start feeling sorry for yourself because you lose your identity. You're like, I'm taking notes on this for myself because I always take notes on podcasts. I always felt that I didn't give it my best. Even though I did, okay. and I know that I did. I'm like, well, what if I hadn't gotten hurt? What if this had happened? What if that had happened? Well, in reality, I realized today I could play the what if game until I'm doing yeah, yeah. I can do that all day. The thing is, is what is it really going to get to the point where I'm like, all right, this has to change. This needs to get things going in the right fashion. So really and truly, I was feeling sorry for myself because... I was, I had lost my identity. I had not playing football since I was 14 years, 13 years old. And yeah. now 20, almost 28 years old, 15 years later, poof, it's over, done, finished. Mm-hmm. No more. And you know, when you're nose as a football player in high school, college, an yeah. NFL athlete, they don't have that anymore. It's tough. I mean, I saw one of my good friends, a guy named Sherard Martin, who was a second round draft pick out of Troy State, played for the uh, Bears and Panthers. He made a post today on social media saying, you know, man, I, I, I have my time, but I miss it. And he said yeah. he, made a yeah. statement, he said, fellas, if you're in the league, enjoy it now because the time doesn't last forever. And he's right, it doesn't last forever. Now I'm very fortunate now I'm doing what I love and I wake up every yeah. day, and my days go quick. So I'm, I'm doing podcasts, I'm sales calls, coaching calls, yeah. you know, it's boom, 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 boom. But I remember the days where my days were slow and it was like just nails to a chalkboard. It was Freddy right. Krueger's hand, you know, <laughs> on the chalkboard. I remember those days, like when I was working at Merrill Lynch, uh, you know, uh, I got fired in April 2013. That was difficult. When I went to the construction company the day after I the day after I was fired from Ellis, I got a job there for only five days before I got fired again. It was more on a chalkboard. Even yeah. in my construction company near the end, when we were making a lot of money, right? But when we started going to the whole like spending of money, like the days were long. I would get up at like five in the morning, be at work at six. And the days would just move so slow because I just didn't like it, and it was yeah. all meetings and fires, and you know it'd be nine o'clock. I thought I'd been at work since from, for like twelve hours. I only been there for three hours. Today, now it moves like that. But to get where I'm at, it didn't move like this. The days yeah. were still long. I, I been, you know, I started speaking in 2013 September, and two and a half years, not one paid job. Not yeah. One, yeah. zero. So, I've had to really work on a high level, mm-hmm. a hard level, really, to get where I am today, where my days move with speed and efficiency versus in the past where it moved with like a sloth or it moved yeah, like a turtle. Turtle. Yep. You're yep. A turtle who does days <laughs> never ends.
0: That's that difference with uh living a purpose, living with purpose, right? <laughs> You're living with purpose, everything flies because you're always getting closer to something. Uh, so look, I, 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 I wanna I wanna pick your mind just a little bit more now when it comes to uh, uh, what 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 got you off the ground when you were deciding to start this construction company? Like what what, what mindset were you in? then did anybody give you a hand or, or how did you get that started? Because usually for for most of us, when we hit when we hit what we feel like is the bottom, we're usually stuck and, and we don't see a way up. We don't see a way to get up. What, what got you up? How, how were you able to move into something new? And so at it?
1: What happened was, do you remember Congressman? Well, let me go back. So what got, what it was, is I went to a program at USC during my NFL career, USC development. And it was, it was great. Right. It was amazing. And I'm making a point here of like, you know, I got the education when I was still playing, but then mm-hmm. I met my business partner you know, early two thousand eight, and we got into business and started the business. And he was the operations person, or so I thought. But it, that came back to bite me later on because he really mm-hmm. was the operations person. But do you remember Congressman Elijah Cummings?
0: Uh, sounds familiar. Yeah. Congressman
1: yeah. Cummings is uh, was a congressman from uh, Baltimore. Uh, he uh, Maryland, He was good friends with Obama. He passed away maybe about. Maybe about two or three years, about three about three years ago, he was really good friends with John Lewis and all those guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he was at an event at Morgan State. And I'll never forget this. He said it was a it was a minority contractor event at Morgan State. And I'll never forget Congressman coming saying this. He said, one of you all in this room will become the next minority contractor who not just sits at the non minority table. You create yeah. your own table. Yeah. That was what I needed to hear from someone who I respected and exactly. I thought was an amazing leader, which he was. I mean, he was an amazing idol for you know for reform and for change. And if you look him up, just one of the most eloquent speakers and just a very well respected congressman. And he did a lot for the state of Maryland, especially Baltimore City. And mm-hmm. That's what I needed to get myself going in that direction. And that's kind of how it all started to push itself forward in that light about me saying, hey, I need to make this change. Let's make sure. it. Better. And that's kind of how it came about.
0: OK, so so we're, we're getting a little bit of a picture. We're seeing some of these foundational pieces where uh, there, there are pieces where you got people jumping in and and you got you got some support. But for the people out here of us who we have support, but maybe we're not seeing it, maybe we're not able to participate fully uh, the way you kind of did. What's the main sort of thing you have to have inside of you or or, or the thing we have to look for inside of us that says look for that support or react to that support? What would you say is the main kind of mental piece we have to have?
1: Number the name that you have to have is the skill of active listening. If mm. you're not willing to listen to people and they speak to you and give you their time and their knowledge, their information, why even bother engaging in a conversation? And mm. that's how I lost my company. My best employee tried to tell me we're making mistakes on this whole mm. And because of the whole fact, I didn't listen to him I literally, literally said to myself, wow, Marcus, you didn't listen to your best employee. Like he predicted, if we didn't make a change, wow. we we'll say we're gonna go bankrupt. I shunned him, two weeks later, he resigns, so gave me his resignation paper that following Monday, resigned two weeks later, like he predicted, Kelly, six months later, bam, I'm wow. bankrupt. I lost it all. So I didn't actively listen to my best employee who was looking at the numbers, who was one of my senior executives. And because of that, I lost everything. So if you're not, if you're a person right now trying to find your way and people are speaking into you and giving you time, their time, especially if they're more successful than you are, they're giving you their time of day as a coach or as a mentor giving you some advice here or there and you're not actively listening, then it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter because no matter what they say to you, you're not going to hear it. If you don't hear it, you're not going to grow, become you're act you're on it. Gonna, yeah. be what I call a fixed mindset.
0: All right. You guys, we got a foundational piece right there. Active listening to actually get yourself off the starting block. So, okay. So you, 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 you got this business, uh, you're bankrupt it falls again you're you're down again man a lot of people are staying down after that what happens that makes you say let me pursue something anything else honestly because you're you're what you're doing a janitor work at this point
1: yeah well so here's how it went so lost the company right 2013 Mm -hmm. uh, basically march I packed up everything I owned, and I, you know, put down first month's rent deposit, moving cut, everything. So pretty much, I had pretty much everything. In my bank account was used to get to Raleigh from Baltimore because I knew living in Baltimore was going to be toxic. Because I owed, I had 177 creditors on my oh. bankruptcy docket. Oh. 177. My bankruptcy attorney which by the way, it was a $3,300 bill to pay to yeah. wipe out $5.5 million of debt. When I moved yeah. to Raleigh, I had $400 to my name. After wow. my NFL career, after my eight-figure year construction company, after all the money that my dad had left me from his passing, to my investments, to what I, I had worked hard for my money, I was smart with my money. I bought used cars. I had a nice, you know, very quaint townhome in Baltimore. Didn't have any expensive jewelry or any of that stuff. I had my money. I had put money away. I had a very successful business. I was very responsible. I just made one really stupid decision. And because I made that decision, I lost it all. Uh. So moved to Raleigh. I had $400. That's it. Uh-huh. I was eating out of basically I was about to, you know, we were almost homeless, pretty much like the plan really was my fiance, who's now my wife, and uh-huh. my stepdaughter were gonna go live with my her parents, which were in the area, and I was gonna stay at a homeless shelter if we had got kicked out of our rental property. That was the plan. Uh-huh. But the NFL stepped in and said, Okay, Marcus, we are gonna give you an opportunity. You can, we're gonna pay your bills for four months. We're not giving you the money. We'll give it to the creditors, right? It came uh-huh. through a trust fund. And that's how everybody, uh-huh. we all can get, we, I, the hope is in life. If we struggle, someone sees enough in us to give us one opportunity to make a change. Uh-huh. That's all we can ask for, right? So they, that was my one opportunity. Took that, so they paid my bills so I didn't go homeless. We were eating out of food, because like I said, they didn't pay give me any money. We were eating out of food pantries, and we were spending fifty bucks a week if we had to for something. That's all we had, right? Four hundred bucks. To yeah. my paycheck was six weeks away. So yeah. that was that. Finally got a paycheck. You know, had like maybe like eighteen dollars in the bank, trying to get our way back, trying to get our way back. Well, the problem was, I was struggling at Merrill Lynch, so I was failing all my practice tests. I was focusing on the wrong things, and so what happened is I ended up getting fired from Merrill Lynch. All my fault. I then go to a construction company the next day, a guy I played basketball with at the gym, owned a company, said so I need some help. I'm like, yes, gave me a company truck, company phone, laptop, gave me first week wow. the same day, $1,000 cash, to my wife, we're back. <laughs> 1000 cash, I got a company truck, he's bought me this new phone. He, my wife was like, did you get a contract? I was like, what do I need a contract for? I mean, these students in the in the driveway, my <laughs> a like, phone. What do I need a what do I need a contract for? He's not gonna fire me. I'm his guy, right? Five days later, mm. I'm fired. Wow. They shut the company down. That parcelation, I'm out of a job. I was working, teaching football to the youth, the businessman, trying to get that going. Literally, what happened next is I ended up Getting a uh, job as a custodian. One of my clients had a janitorial business, needs some extra help. We were running a little on money because we had to. You know, we were just trying to live. The bills yeah. were gonna start coming back around October, the following month. What do we do? My wife's working, but then she, you know she's working, but I need another job. I take a yeah. job as a custodian, making yeah. eight dollars and twenty-five cents an hour on the graveyard shift. A year so, prior, I was making close whoa, to half. Whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: hold on. Yeah, okay. I was, was going to go right to that. I want so, to make yeah,
1: comparison. So, so in September 2012, I was making a half million dollars a year as a CEO of my company. September 2013, I'm making 8 dollars an hour. My checks were $311.13 a week after tax. Yeah. Yep. That was my. How how, how, how do you get up from
0: that? because we're, we're talking about this, this we're talking about leadership a- and everybody pay attention to this idea because this is going to be major. Every single one of us is a leader in our own lives because no one else gets to make our choice. So even if it's the case where we say we don't want to make a choice, we're making a choice. So every one of us is a leader. So Marcus, when you say that you're down to 311 bucks a week, you got to make some choices. What what do you do next?
1: So from there, I'm working as a custodian and i'm like you know just doing what i have to do surviving working and then i had a pivotal moment like two weeks after i started working when i was taking out the trash like i always did 4 30 in the morning during my shift out you know that's graveyard shift you know 10 to 5 that's graveyard and so i was finishing up throwing the trash in the trash and then from there i'll never forget this it's my spoiled milk moment and actually i just went back to that old Trash can, uh, I'll try to find a picture and show, show it if I can. Uh, the old trash can of when I was out there you know, at that job. And literally what happened is, when I went to throw the trash in the trash can, uh, someone spoiled milk and oh, raw right. man peel and everything you could think about horrible, protruding smell got on my bare skin, my clothes, my body, everything. And at that moment, I realized, wow, if I don't make a change today, my life will always be right there. Yes. I had my yep. head in my hand. Oh, here it is, right here. So let me find this right here for you. So this is a picture of me. Oops, I gotta go this way. Yep. You see that right there? Yep. That's yep. the tra- that's the same trash can <laughs> that I that I had the spoiled milk moment, and that's a reenactment about six months ago. That was what my was like. I had my head in my hands and I was crying because yeah. I realized that my life had gotten to this point where I yeah. lost it all because there was no accountability, no ownership, no structure. So, this mm. is my boiled milk moment that I reenacted seven, about seven, a little over seven years ago, September 2013, taking the trash out. So, that's yeah. the exact same. This is the exact same trash can that mm. I had the moment at in downtown raleigh
0: let, let, let me ask you about that because see you mentioned something that i think is a very powerful piece um you said that there was no there was no accountability um now you also mentioned and i think anyone any of us who are dads who struggle we we know this feeling your heads in your hands you're crying because of the fact that you understand what's at stake you know that there are people dependent on you you know that you know what you could be doing. You know that what you should be doing. You know how you know what your potential is. What at, at what point uh during this sport milk moment does it flash for you? What, what what's that first thought that clicks that says, I'm 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 not gonna be here, I'm not gonna stay here, I'm doing something different. First what is thought, that, what
1: is first thought was I don't want anyone, especially NFL athletes, because unfortunately I had become, a, the minute I filed a bankruptcy and it was on the docket, I became a statistic yeah. of an NFL athlete that filed a bankruptcy after his career. I hated the feeling. So yeah. I had to relaunch myself. And then again, that's what happened. When I had the moment, I said, I don't want any retired brotherhood that I can help to be where I am. I don't want anybody yeah. to feel like yeah. that. And that's when I say, I'm gonna get off this I'm off this curb. I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna write down the three things I have and figure out what does that mean for my future. Uh-huh. Write them Good with people. I'm uh-huh. good at speaking, and I want to help inspire others. I'm gonna be a keynote speaker, and I'm gonna be the next Tony Robbins. Yes, I'm. I I'm, I'm told my wife this is what I'm gonna do. We're gonna do it. We're, we're gonna we're gonna be awesome. So it's gonna be grills. So it's gonna be grill, real, 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 real we're gonna be great. No, 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 no. Two and a half years, <laughs> not right? One paid job. One, not one, not one. Now,
0: now, now, what were you doing for that two and a half years? What, what were you doing?
1: I was working as a. I ran football camps. I ran football camps. I did training. I did odd jobs. I was a clown at birthday parties, basically playing like. And so I didn't put the paint on or the or the or the gozo, you know, uh, hair. I would play football with kids at a party gotcha. for $125 uh, for the hour, which is great money, but like, that's what it was. You know, I was a, I mean, I was a, I was a birthday clown playing football with kids at birthday parties, you know, appearances, anything I could do to just make a buck. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. And then I finally got my first paid speaking job in uh, April, 2016. So it was two and a half years. Got that with Miller Mott College. And it was fifteen hundred dollars for the uh, for thirty minutes. It was the keynote speaker at their one hundred commencement graduation, and from there, I just kept working and kept tweaking and kept learning and kept tweaking, and kept learning. And I tried to coach people that same year. That yeah. was a flop. That didn't work out. You know, I had I had no clients. Nothing like. I I then I, I I tried doing the leadership of which worked for a little while. Then that yeah. got that burnout around 2018. Like glad and keep that going now, because that wouldn't be working at all today. You know, so uh, literally I had to kind of go tweak this, that, this, and the other. But then what really changed my life is I got coached by two people. One was Mel Robbins. I'm familiar with Mel Robbins. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Mel Robbins, who wrote uh, the five se- uh, the, the five second rule. I met her in Boston. I was on her audio book, Kick-Ass with Mel, which was the number one most globally downloaded audiobook in the summer of 2018. And she told me, Marcus, you know, you're living a life where you're always worried about what others think. You're living mm-hmm. the imposter syndrome. Like, you're not pushing yourself because you're always worried about what people think about you and you going not be accepted by them with what you're choosing in life. I had to break that. And then I got coached at Penn State by uh, NAPSA program, which was an mm-hmm. amazing program, five-day intensive, and those two coaching people, one program, one person, changed my life forever. In the last four and a half years, mainly more than the last three, but the last four and a half years total, I've worked for 17 Fortune 500 companies as a speaker, nice. at the 17 nice. 10, a Fortune 100, uh, my hourly rate now is over 10 times what my first speaking engagement was. Nice. Uh, I've written two best-selling books. I relaunched my coaching business in 2018. I now have 35 one-on-one clients. One of my consulting clients is, represents 35% of our nation's ketchup. red gold quality. They own thirty-five percent of our nation's ketchup through their through their branded and private label side. Yep. Yep. And so, like on the private label side, Walmart, Costco, BJ's, all the major grocery stores will buy the ketchup from Red Gold, mm-hmm. ketchup, mm-hmm. put their mm-hmm. own label. On, yeah, there's
0: white label. On,
1: or they'll do it on the on the on the branded side. We see the Red Gold brand. It's, a, it's an amazing family-owned business. And the point I'm getting at, Kelly, is you have a title success coach on your, on your screen. To uh-huh. me, success is in the eye of the beholder. Like, I don't tell it like it's money or fame or notoriety. Uh-huh. I, uh-huh. I, I don't care about that. I've made a lot of money. I've been in up there after that. I've been drafted. I, that doesn't excite me. That's That doesn't matter. If you do people right and give them what they need, You will have your own success. You will have, now whatever that might be, it might be money, might be time, might be family, it doesn't matter. But success is what I tell everybody it's in the eye of the beholder. Don't look at other people, don't play the social media comparison game, don't worry about what they're traveling, don't worry about all that. You have no idea what somebody's life is really like. If you're gonna start thinking about and trying to compare your success to others, you will literally drive yourself. Yep, up. you're going to lose every in. time. You're in a Freddy Krueger nightmare. <laughs> hope you wake up. You can't get up. You're going to keep running from those demons.
0: 100% agree. Now, look, I want to pause right here for one second because uh, I want to make sure we make time because uh, you, you mentioned some of your accolades, which I think more than um, – so, so like you said, it's not about making money. It's not about – this, this this picture we have in our head of what success always is to me when I look at success I look at who keeps getting up who keeps getting up and when I think about where you come from, uh, it may look like on the outside like oh well you had every chance in the world because you're a big NFL athlete blah 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 but to me it's like we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier that that almost seems to add extra pressure because now, Whereas uh, somebody else may say, "Well, yeah, I, I hit, I hit rock bottom. Rock bottom isn't the same if you've been up higher. Rock bottom isn't the same if everyone has this expectation of you." So when I look at you, man, I think of, I think of the biggest success when you're sitting there in front of that garbage can crying, because I know that feeling. I know having to take care of my wife, having to take care of my son, and sitting in the car crying because I don't know what i'm gonna do next i don't know where that money's gonna come from to me the guy who gets back up and starts to work that's a success like that's that that's that's how it reads to me so i want to make sure i take time because you're sharing this with people right i now i i mentioned earlier that i grabbed your book uh let me make sure i bring up the information about the book first um there we go No, actually, let let me give you a chance to talk about this first because you actually have some courses that you're offering, right? That is actually going to help to teach this.
1: Yeah, so we're working with a group called Elevate. They're out of London, and it's actually interesting. They found me, Kelly, on LinkedIn and Mm -hmm. started following me and our in our and our content, and like, wow, this is awesome. And kind of get into that next point. And we're doing a, we're launching a masterclass starting in January. It's $9.95 a month, and we're going to focus on pivot, how you pivot. I tell you all the time, I'm not going to give you theories and like, oh, go and pivot. Oh, go do. No, no, no. it's not (laughs) a theory. It's literally, literally going to give you a step-by-step, play-by-play, action step in how to pivot. The P stands for poised. The I stands for inspired. The V stands for victory mindset. The O stands for observing. The T stands for tactician. Anytime Mm -hmm. in life we pivot, look at the following. You have to be poised. You have to be confident and assure yourself that you can do what you're going to do. You have to inspire people. You have to breathe life into them to show them and prove to them that the new phase of your life that you're transitioning into or pivoting into, you can help not just yourself, but them as well. V is a victory mindset. There's three types of mindsets. A fixed mindset, totally negative. Think you know everything, you can't get any better, that's the one to be. Mm -hmm. Growth mindset's good, you worry about your own growth, but again, listen to that word, your own. Well, two words, your own growth. Mm -hmm. Victory mindset, you're concerned about your growth, your teammates' growth, your, your employees' growth, your clients' mm-hmm. growth, your potential clients' growth. It's everybody in your sphere. When you have that mindset, it, that you, can't, you can reach everything. The O is observe. What are other people doing in your industry? What's working, what's not? If you're gonna look yeah. at something new, figure out from other people, what are they doing? What, are they, how are they having success? How are they reaching their goals? If they're not reaching their goals, why coming up short? Observe uh-huh. your eyes, your ears, and pay attention. T, be a tactician. Strategy to me means absolutely nothing. Tell me one time, I got it. What are you gonna do, action step-wise, to achieve your the goals and hit the finish line and go uh-huh. along and beyond? What are you gonna do? That's pivot. Be poised, I like that. inspire, Victory mindset, observing tactician. People pay me thousands of dollars to coach them. Thousands of dollars. The thing is, everybody can't afford that. And you know what? I don't want everybody, I don't want anybody to, to hire me that can't afford it because I don't want your money if you can't afford it because I'm not in the business of being a vampire and taking my people and sucking their blood. Like, sure. I want to help you. I don't want to take from you, right? Mm-hmm. You invest what you can afford. But for nine ninety five dollars a month, you can learn what I went through to be seven, eight, almost eight years ago. $400 in my bank account, flat broke, bankrupt, no home taken from me. Both cars repossessed in the same day. Uh-huh. Same day. Gone. Credit cards maxed out. No friends, no family except my brother. That's it gone, abandoned me, to now where I'm on stages, where we're building a brand new home, which will be ready in like May, June of next year. We have all these companies that hire us, pay us a lot of money, right? A lot of money. We wanted to create something that anyone could afford as long as they were willing to just put a few dollars towards it to gain a huge investment positive return. a month to have access to what I charge thousands of dollars to people that are on the high-level ticket. Just learn how to pivot. And if you can do that, Kelly, the world's yours. But again, it's not just a theory of pivot. It's an action-by-action-by-action-by-action-by-action step to get you to the finish line and beyond.
0: So, so look, I, I I love the idea of of I, I love all the theoreticals that a lot of us put out when we're when we're coaching, and and some of the stuff it's 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 beautiful in theory and, and as an abstract and and it's pretty to talk about. But to me, what it really comes down to is I need I need stuff that's actionable. I need stuff that I what can I do starting today? And any of my clients, I will tell them the same thing. What can you do starting today, even if it's just figuring out a plan of action, even if it's just figuring out where that first step is? So I love the idea, man, that you're that you're putting it out there. Like, first off, uh, I'm not going to pay thousands of dollars for pretty much anything because I'm just a regular guy. But something like this where I can see a value in it, I think that's awesome. I also think that it's really interesting that you 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 put across, I mean, it, usually when we're doing this How to Win at Everything, we spend a lot less time talking about people's story. But I really thought your, your story brings so much uh, truth into it because there's a million places for you to get, you know, bottlenecked. There's a million places you can have stopped and said, my pride says I won't ask for help. My 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 ego says I'm not gonna do construction work. I'm not gonna do janitorial work. You know, my 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 shame, my guilt for not doing this or that could have stopped you at any point of these any of these points. So for me, when I look at that, that's a, that that that's the thing that everyone needs to get to. Uh, I talk to clients all the time and we're talking about um, this this self limiting uh, uh, self limiting ways of thinking. What I want to understand from you is for anyone who's your client or anyone who you even just talk to to help out, how do you help them get past what they believe they can't do? Because to me, that's probably like your superpower.
1: The way that I get people to look at where they struggle and how to get by it is the following. Tell me what your strengths are first, right? Mm-hmm. I tell people all the time it's easy to focus on the negative, uh-huh. Don't we focus on the positive. What do you do well, right? What are your strengths? When I work with every client one-on-one coaching on our first call, I ask for three biggest strengths and three things they want to improve upon over the next six months or a year. Uh-huh. And because of that, when we focus on what your strengths are first, and we highlight that, then you look at things you want to work on it's not as it's not as bad you're like okay i'm really strong here well maybe if i do this or pivot here or do that i can get my weaknesses to improve and man mm-hmm. i'm gonna be okay so yeah. i don't really feel that is a real big point because at the end of the day kelly i can sit here and say all the time whoa what are you bad at what do you need mm-hmm. help oh and that's and again that's nothing wrong with that but the problem is though people's mindset there's three things you need to do to have a really positive mindset. Number one is have to have good physiology. If you're going to move and be out and be and be going and be kind of get things moving in that direction, you have to have really good physiology and say, hey, I can move. I'm going to get this done. I'm going to get that done and have positive energy. Second mm-hmm. thing is you have to control your mental focus. Right. So you're looking at things. Control that if you don't do something well, it's okay. I told a client this day, I have two kids that I coached once, uh, a freshman in high school, once a senior. The dad's a good friend of mine, coached both of his sons. Mm -hmm. I told him senior, I said, look, every time you go to the gym, you either get better or you learn, you don't fail. Mm -hmm. That's the same attitude you have to have in sports. You're never a failure in sports, right? You may not have won the game or you might have done as best as you could, that's fine. It's never a failure. You're only a failure if you don't give it your all, and you know you don't give it your all. Uh-huh. That's it. That's the only time. You give it your all. I don't care if you win the game, get your butt kicked, lose. It doesn't matter. I played some monsters in my career. Monsters never quit. I always brought my A game. Did I win every battle? No. Did I get my ass kicked every once in a while? Yep, sure did. <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't quit. Right? It's not a failure. So. That's the mindset you have to have. Control your mental focus. And the third thing, for goodness sake, I made a note on my phone, believe at your core that you deserve to succeed. That Mm -hmm. is the biggest part people don't understand. They don't look at themselves and say, well, I deserve success. I don't Mm -hmm. know if I deserve this. I haven't achieved Why? I haven't done enough. No, you have. Yeah, you have. You're right, Ken. Positivity rules. Because the minute you allow your mindset to think negative, you have to work twice as hard to reprogram it to turn it the other way. So, again, like I said, I mean, people and how I and and I and I'm very different, right? How I work for my coaching is I charge a fee of it's either six months or a year. I don't do month to Mm. month. If I don't have you for six months minimum, I can't help turn you around. But again, and compared to other coaches out there, Kelly, I'm extremely affordable, but still a higher sure. tip. But yeah. this program was created to help people with pivoting and not just pivoting into a new phase of life, pivoting out of a mindset if you're there. Because, again, yeah, yeah. I had that negative mindset making $8.25 an hour. I had the negative mindset when Man. I had the full milk moment. at that exact moment. Now, after I was done, I realized I was the issue. I got to fix things. But I've been there. I've had the negative mindset when I got told no for two and a half years on every paid speaking job, right? I've been there. So again, this whole pivot is really designed to help people, no matter if they're trying to get to a new lane or they're trying to get out of a mindset. But again, it's gotta be affordable. Cause again, that's, that's why we want to do this because I wanted people to get something that anyone, not, no matter who you are, could afford as long as you're committed to making the real change. All right. Um,
0: one of the things that I would like to ask pretty much all of my guests, uh, really to get perspective. Um, well, we're we're talking about success. We're talking about leadership, man. And when I when when I when I picture it for myself, it's one way. It's going to be different for you. It's going to be your own individual way. Let me ask you: at the end of uh, all of this, man, at the end of last day of Marcus's world, and and you're on your deathbed. How do you know if you actually won? How do you know that you've done enough? What makes you happy and content with what your life has been?
1: So, my book, The Success Cycle, which I've told you about. If I have people in my life, especially my daughters, that when I leave can know the three-step process for success in their life, and I'm hoping that they have kids, and I have grandkids, I hope them around for all that to kind of help them and that legacy to continue. If my daughters can do the success cycle and anybody that I come in contact with remembers it to have success because this is exactly how I build success in my own life. Uh-huh. And this is drive hard work. I want my daughters to really live by that model. Create the roadmap for their success. That's ambition. Be driven to achieve greatness and do it for the long haul. That's inspiration over short term or external forces and or gain. Money, Mm -hmm. fame, notoriety, that's motivation. I don't believe in motivation. I'm an inspirational personality keynote speaker. If I've motivated you, I have not done a good job. I (laughs) will inspire you. So that's drive. And also understand your why and be able to explain your why to whomever you come in contact with. And the last one is hard work. Focus on yourself and not the competition. If my daughters, my grandkids, people I come in contact with through my speaking, my coaching, our online programs, our books, the more people that live their life, And then do the success cycle, ambition, drive, hard work, repeat. If I have people doing that, then I know that I've done the best I could with the time that I have.
0: I like that. that. There uh, has to be a feeling, a sense, though, right, of I've done the best I can. And um, all right. uh, I want to say, uh, Marcus, thank you so much for your time this evening. I know it was a a little bit, a little while uh, getting it in, man, getting it to happen. But I want to thank you so much, brother, for giving uh, pretty much uh, giving your personal life and giving us an example of what it looks like to actually win against adversity. So, uh, uh, any last things? Uh, First off, let me mention I actually threw uh, in the comments already, guys, uh, the information about about where to Uh, find Marcus's program. So you will see that there uh, when this uh, comes up and is posted on LinkedIn. There'll also be a link there for it there. Um, Marcus, anything else you want to leave us with?
1: So I'm just going to say one thing to your audience. This is something that I had to learn and I'm glad I learned it. And if I hadn't learned it, I wouldn't be here today. If you're not having people speak negative to you, or talking about what are you doing, what are you thinking, then your goals aren't big enough. And you (laughs) have to believe it before you see it. I would have never thought in a million years I'd get here this quickly if Uh I hadn't believed in myself and the journey when I started. So if you don't believe in yourself, why would anybody else? So. If people aren't talking negatively or bad about you, then your goals aren't big enough. Think about this. When I was a custodian at 8.25 an hour, nobody cared about what I was doing. No Uh one. But now that I'm speaking, traveling, writing two books, people are like, okay, well, all right, Marcus, I guess you can do something. So you know, you got a little lucky, you're gonna be all right, I guess you are this. And then everybody wants to tell you how great you are. You're like, yeah, no, I'm good, thanks. Right, but now they're talking about me because I'm doing something they really aren't doing. Right? It's something. a about this way. If you're not being successful, people aren't going to talk bad about you. Right? Mm-hmm. So you have to prepare for that. You have to prepare for that and re- and realize if people are talking bad about you or negative about where you're going, you're on the right path. Second thing is you have to believe it before you see it. And I'm gonna leave with this last one. There's three. There's two parts. There's three parts of any successful business, right? There's marketing, there's sales, there's operations. Have all three. Have great (laughs) marketing, know how to sell, do your job. And then once you get past that point, these pillars are going to help you achieve massive success and beyond. Okay? Number one, make sure that you have a quality product invest in your product if you don't have a great product on the marketplace don't have to sell it at a premium price number two have operational excellence internal Mm. communication external communication policies and procedures delegation of tasks to the right people run your business with efficiency and third have excellent customer service if your customers give you some feedback, positive positive or negative that's constructive, implement it and make the decisions and move forward. So, again, looking at that retrospect, you have marketing, you have sales, you have operations. Then we get past that quality product, operational excellence, excellent customer service. You do those things one fold, then two fold. You're good. Success.
0: I feel like we're gonna to have to have you on again, man, to be uh, our business expert now and help us with some business tactics. Uh, look, thank you so much, Marcus, again for your time, my brother. Uh, I'm gonna play us out with my cheesy outro that matches yeah. up great with my cheesy intro, and uh, and you just hold on one second. I'm gonna to talk to you backstage.
1: All right, sounds good. All right. たらーん!